Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management, the only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Welcome back to another episode of FPOG, Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals. This week on the podcast, we're going to do a review of Chevron's benefits. Uh, whether you work for Hess and you just got acquired, or you're a Chevron employee, or you're not a Chevron employee and you want to see how your benefits stack up, we're going to do a deep dive on their benefits, uh, talk through some of the complexities, nuances, and also give a grade of what we think. Justin, before we start, I got to acknowledge this time of the year, I get a little sad. Uh, in the summer months, I'm very excited. I'm very grateful to live in Northwest Arkansas. But then times like today, when I'm wearing a sweater and you're wearing a short sleeve polo, I, I begin to kind of second guess my decision as I woke up to 30 degree temperatures and I know years were substantially higher. I was just thinking, Jared, yesterday it was 73 degrees and sunny. I went and hit golf balls. I read a book on our front patio, just on our front porch, outside in shorts and a t-shirt. And I did that until like 6.15. The sun had already gone down and it was still that pleasant outside. So yeah, we are in the uh, kind of eight or nine incredible months of uh, pretty perfect weather in Texas. Yeah. I mean, Justin, you and I have had long conversations about this, but Texas weather is underrated. A lot of people say it's bad, but maybe we'll save that for a whole... Maybe that deserves a podcast of its own, but I think Texas weather in general, especially South Texas, is is underrated. Okay, let's talk Chevron, Justin. I think a good place to start is... Man, let's start with the, with the 401k. And we'll caveat this by saying that company... These are, you know, these are benefits today for existing Chevron employees, right? So what you get from when you're migrating from Hess and all that stuff and what benefits look like on the tail end of that, you know, we don't know. But as, as Chevron benefits exist today, and we're recording this in December of 2023. So uh, just keep bear that in mind. Okay, Justin, uh, where do you want to start with in terms of the 401k? The, the ESIP, we'll use the company vernacular, the Employee Savings Incentive Plan. In investment plan. I think uh, important to just provide the context from the 30,000 foot level. Knowing your 401k matters because if you're taking the career track of a major, super major, that is going to be your primary wealth building vehicle. There's a chance that it's kind of the co-pilot and the other co-pilot is how you manage RSUs or equity compensation. But when you're thinking about financial plan and getting on the path to winning with money, well, if you're in a privately held small business, it's your ownership structure there that's going to get you there. But if you're at a major, if you're at a super major, your 401k is going to be the primary or a, a co-pilot type vehicle, huge ramification. So it's important to understand it and get it right. Anything else you would add? No. I, yeah, it's the building block, right? I think it's the crux. It's it's the it's the entree, right? If you will. So with that, let's talk about it. So just ten thousand foot level, Justin. We'll talk more. You know, we'll talk about NUA, uh, leverage stock fund, but just at a ten thousand foot level, right? Custodian is fidelity. Man, one of the remarkable things. Uh, there's a few remarkable things, but one of the great things, some great things about this plan. Contributions. You have flexibility. So you have before tax. You have after tax. You have Roth. You have 
uh, mega backdoor, right? Uh, Justin, explain mega backdoor for our listeners and, and what that means. Yep. So mega backdoor Roth is functionally not a pre-tax contribution and it is not a Roth contribution. Uh, so the source for those dollars is an after-tax contribution. Typically, uh, when the IRS is defining where contributions come from, most people hear after-tax, and that kind of lines up with what you'd think a Roth is. But a Roth is tax-free. So if we're using IRS vernacular pre-tax, you know, we all know what that is. That's putting money in and you get a tax deduction. So it's regular 401k is pre-tax. Roth is, is tax-free money, but after-tax is different than both of those. And so the mega backdoor Roth is you've already uh, capitalized on your pre-tax or Roth. So you pick one of those or you pick a bit of both and you've filled up your elective deferrals. Uh, so for 2023, the elective deferral limit was $22,500. Um, so you could put that amount in as either a pre-tax contribution and lower your taxable income, or you could put it in as a Roth contribution. But you were allowed to have a lot more money go in to your 401k in 2023, a total of something like 60, 68,000, somewhere in that range. So that is your contributions that are either pre-tax or Roth, the company match, and then whatever's left over in the all-in limit you can make an after-tax contribution. Uh, and then if your 401k plan allows it, you can convert that after-tax money to Roth. And so the end result is you put money in and it eventually gets to a Roth. So it's kind of the same thing as making Roth contributions, but you have to go through that extra step. That is the mega backdoor Roth. It's contributing to an after-tax bucket in your 401k and then converting that bucket to Roth. Clear as mud. Jared, how, how can we simplify that? No, I would just say there's an amount that the, empl the, the employee can put into a plan with tax deferrals, uh, wage contributions, and then there's a total plan limit. And so just, just that wrinkle, uh, certain types of compensation can go in there. But what that means is multiples of, or not multiples, but substantially more than what you would on average contribute can go into this plan. You know, that's the difference in putting 22,000 a year, Justin, or 44,000 a year, closer to 50,000 a year, maybe a little less than that because of Chevron's mash that we'll talk about here in a sec, but, you know, substantial additional savings. And like, so that's a plan specific thing. Not every employer has a mega backdoor Roth. So uh, mega backdoor, great uh, vesting on Chevron's or uh, on Chevron's 401k, 100% vested. So there's no no delay, right? So when the match comes, it's it's yours. Uh, man, here's a spot I want to park for a minute. The mat the matching is really remarkable. So uh, Chevron matches four to one, up to eight percent of regular pay. So i.e., you contribute one percent, uh, Chevron quadruples that, right? You contribute two percent. Uh, Chevron quadruples that it matches 8%. And that is really remarkable, right? So the average employer match or the median employer match, which is probably a better number uh, per recent Vanguard study, was 3%. And Vanguard is matching eight, right? So that, or, uh, or Chevron is matching eight. So that's really, really remarkable. Um, Justin, I, I did this exercise before we started this podcast just because I was fascinated. I thought, Hey, if you, if you work at Chevron for life, let's say 40 years, you, you know, you graduate when you're 20, you work till you're 60. 
what amount of compensation of average compensation would you need to make to retire a millionaire if you only contributed 2% if you only set aside 2% of your four, uh, 401k and Chevron matched the eight and didn't get any bonuses what 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 amount of income do you think you would need to retire a millionaire from Chevron I bet it is shockingly low uh, is it under 50,000 Jared it's it's like 53 okay um, okay there yeah. we go but all that to say, like, remarkable, um, you know, and the a million dollar nest egg at, after 40 years, never making more than $55,000 a year, like, re- that really just kind of, you know, puts an exclamation point on just how aggressive that match is and how much it can do. And I think, quite frankly, more employers should do this, especially with the removal of pension benefits, which is something we've talked about in prior episodes. So, that match is juicy. We get excited about that. We think that's, you know, and as you can see, well above industry uh, industry averages. Okay, investment options. Um, so they have BlackRock target date funds, which are great, low cost, globally diversified, automatic rebalance. They risk weight. So basically, as as you get closer to distribute the distribution portion of the portfolio, the asset allocation uh, gets less aggressive, which is kind of matching your your investment time horizon, which is great. Kind of easy, set it and forget it. Um, there's also some active stuff that that you can purchase. Um, we've ta- we, you know we won't spend too much time uh, talking about that because you know we've talked about that in prior episodes with you know the active versus passive conversation. We probably should probably have an episode, Justin, about essentially the idea that no one's really a passive investor. But they also so they offer some uh, active investment strategies if you want targeted exposure and uh, some you know just basically index index exposure. So like just, you know, fixed income, extended markets, which is, you know, small cap, mid cap, uh, Acqui XUS, which is emerging markets, developed markets. So good, the good building blocks, right? We'll, we'll see some plans that have all active funds and your expense ratio gets way high out of control for just, you know, potentially, you know, stati- odds of underperforming really high. So um, we like to see, hey, these index funds are, are great, or you could just do a globally diversified kind of set it and forget it with BlackRock's asset allocation fund. Um, Justin, you want to talk about brokerage link? Because that's, that's, that is another, so there's investment options of the plan menu, and then there's also brokerage link. You want to talk about what brokerage link is? Yep. So brokerage link uh, allows you to functionally buy anything you would in a brokerage account for the most part uh, in your 401k. And so Chevron allows you to put 50% of the ESIP into brokerage link. Once it is in brokerage link, you can then purchase mutual funds, ETFs, stocks, bonds. Um, it's, it's very similar to having a Fidelity brokerage account. You know, I go back and forth. On the one hand, Chevron deserves enormous credit for this because this is functionally the most free independent 401k you can imagine uh when you have brokerage link the the whole world of investments you know for the most part is at your fingertips jared i I think we could talk a little bit about some of the downsides of one well when you have that many options uh should you have your 401k in a small grouping of individual stocks um so that's one pitfall two how do you navigate being a little bit more of a, a wealth manager in your 401k where you can't put more than 50% in there? So do you understand the 50% that's in brokerage link if you fill it up to capacity? 
What's your exposure there? And then how does that exposure align with the 50% that are in BlackRock funds or other funds in the ESIP? And are you moving forward with your 401k with an appropriate allocation that weights both of those in the correct manner? That's exactly right. Like brokerage link is great, but it increases complexity, right? So either you need to like have a great way to kind of analyze that on an ongoing basis, because instead of essentially having one 401k, you have two, one you're kind of self-managing and one that uh, has a defined menu of options, right? So it gives you more optionality, but also creates more complexity, right? And then two strategies you kind of have to coordinate together. So, and right, the other question is, like some of these investment options are just set it and forget it, right? Like if if you're using brokerage link to buy Tesla, just buy 100% Tesla, it's probably not a good use of brokerage link, right? But if you're using it to, you know, add some exposures or maybe factor tilt or get some more international diversification, or there's a tangible tactical reason as to why you're doing that, it could definitely have very big portfolio benefits. But just giving people the flexibility doesn't necessarily mean that that that's the option you should pick or that it's worth it because it does add complexity to your life. Certainly. And this is kind of a broader conversation. I've been in conversations with others where target date funds are really unpopular. Uh, But there's a lot of CFAs and CFPs that love target date funds as a kind of generic solution for the entire population. And there's a lot of data that suggests that companies are very, very much should make automated uh, opt-in for every new hire. So the standard is you're opted in to a 401k contribution at a certain level and actually automating the investment selections directly to a target date fund is the best course of action. And so there's kind of some give and take here. You think about ExxonMobil's savings plan, the 401k there. Well, a lot of people complain about the lack of investment options. But there's also the element where having four or five good investment options is really all you need. And that's arguably all that a 401k should be allocated to. Um, And then you could make an argument that, you know, you go to Shell's 401k or uh, Noble's 401k back when before they merged or just insert any number of 30, 40 different companies here. And you're going to find 401k plans that have a tiny amount of investment options. Others will have 50 investment options. And then, you know, you've got Chevron with brokerage link access that kind of has infinity investment options. And on the one hand, that's fantastic to have more options. It allows you to be able to really get a little bit more specific and hands-on with, with your allocations and manage some of your portfolio at a household level a little bit easier but there's also the reality that a lot of people, you know, are not wanting to be a portfolio manager and a more simple solution is the best option in the 401k. Yeah. Again, right? Like, you know, the scenario we did of what it took to get to a million dollars at retirement was 7% investment returns, which is well below the historical average for an all equity portfolio. Yeah. Right. So like, and two, we can look under the hood and we could spend the remainder of this episode and I could talk about, you know, things I don't like about BlackRock's target date fund, but you're right. It meets a big need of like the bigger drivers in your investment success are your ability to save, your ability not to touch it, and your ability to rebalance. So you're kind of like value tilting, right? Buying buying underperforming assets that have really good long-term expected returns, right? Like I think those those three things make an outsized difference versus, oh, how is this target date stru- fund structured versus this one? 
but yeah. but I think I, I do think it is you know important to kind of understand. Hey, there there are some options. Uh, there are some options there. Yeah, some of the active stuff, a uh, little more expensive, a uh, little more tactical. But you know, all in all, pretty good investment options. And the investment uh, and with the brokers link, you can have the ability to do a do a portion of uh, of DIY. Justin, let's talk about uh, NUA, right? So pre twenty thirteen, right? There are some chevron shares there's like a common stock fund and a leverage stock fund and potential for nua you want to break that down for us yep so similar to let's say conoco phillips uh, you have kind of a regular stock fund and then you have a leverage stock fund uh, nua net unrealized appreciation is most attractive when you have a really high market value and then a really low cost basis and so as a reminder back to our episode we did on NUA, what you're doing is after you leave a company, if you comply with all of the IRS rules associated with NUA, you're allowed to take um, stock shares from a 401k and put it in a brokerage account. Um, and the reason you know you kind of want to ask, well, why would I ever want to take money from a tax-advantaged 401k and put it in a brokerage account that does not have any tax shelter? And the reason for that is capital gains taxes are lower than income taxes. Um, and so as a kind of true up, the IRS made this bridge, and that's really what the NUA is. And it's a bridge of, hey, you've got low cost basis shares in your 401k. Instead of paying income tax on that, you can elect NUA on those shares, get them to a brokerage account, and that could be a huge tax savings to you um, in the short and long run. So... When you think about Chevron's uh, plan, having common stock and leverage stock, uh, a lot of times leverage stock, uh, because of leverage, is going to have a little bit higher return. And with NUA, you really only want to do it with shares or a stock fund that has a huge return. Um, so kind of an oversimplification, uh, but a lot, you know, I think a lot about the, the ConocoPhillips 401k and just uh, whenever you've got a regular stock and then a leverage stock fund, a lot of times your NUA opportunity might be found in that leverage stock fund. Love it. Awesome. Well, uh, I know we could also double the amount of time that we've spoken on this, but we're 18 minutes in and have only done 401k. So we'll keep cooking. But at the 10,000 foot level, a lot of flexibility, really great matching and um, decent investment options with you know some high level planning strategies like NUA. Uh, Easily one door. of the best 401ks you're going to find in corporate America. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, so building block check. Okay, Justin, talk about the pension, right? So there's a, there's a pre 2008 pension and kind of a post. What's the computation there? What you know? What can someone expect uh, to receive? How is that calculated? Does do interest rates impact that? Yep. You know, I think a kind of real simple way to think about it is 30 years at Chevron can get you 48% of the average of the last three years of earnings for life. Um, it Question for you, what, what are earnings? Like, does that include restricted stock or what, what is in that earnings category? That is such an important question. So with earnings, that's base plus variable bonus. Um, so that becomes very relevant. If you're pretty high up in Chevron and you're getting RSUs, uh, well, if if that's not included in the definition of earnings, then it's not going to be included in your pension. And so, you know, we're looking at earnings uh, base plus variable bonus. And so, you know, with with pensions, 
it's not the most exciting thing to talk about, but I will bring this up because it's a pretty significant planning point. Uh, I feel like Shell is a great example of this. Man, with Shell, if you've been at Shell for a long time, it just feels like you have an endless number of pensions, different pensions uh, that you've got to figure out what are you allowed to do? What are your options? And then what option should you select? What's what's the best option? Uh, and that's also pretty true with ExxonMobil. I mean, you could have a mobile pension plan. You could have an ExxonMobil pension plan. You could have a supplemental pension plan, non-qualified pension plan. Uh, and that shows up really everywhere at every company uh, where you could have a portion of your pension is qualified and a portion is non-qualified because your income in some years is over the IRS limits. Uh, and so... You mentioned the pre-2008, after-2009 distinction, but I think that's kind of a quick overview of the pension. And as we've discussed before, as time goes on, companies are doing less and less pension benefits, more and more RSU equity comp. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point on pension. So I guess for context, would you say, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this because like, like you've said, this is being phased out, but do you think that's like compared to the other pension opportunities. It seems like that's kind of like market level. Like, I don't, I don't think it's like, I don't hear about that pension and think, man, that's a crazy income replacement percentage. Usually it's been closer 50 to 60%. So it's kind of on the lower end, but but it includes variable comp, which a lot of pension plans don't include in their calculation. So it seems kind of, a, you know, about, about market average. Not, it's still great if you have one, uh, but, you know, not not a more compelling pension than other pensions out there. I think that's probably fair, but here's the tough thing. I think we're probably giving it a very good grade. And the reason why we say it's kind of similar to others is because, well, the the super majors benefit plans when it comes to 401k and pension is just off the charts relative to other industries. And so, you know, you're talking about 8% 401k match and then a really substantial pension. And this is the reason why IRA tax planning can have seven-figure lifetime impact uh, because you can you don't need to be the CFO of Chevron in order to get to retirement with a lot of pre-tax assets. And so this pension plan coupled with the 401k uh, really sets you up very well for financial freedom. And it also brings a huge delta. So there is a huge, huge difference between what you could pay in your lifetime tax rate without really detailed, excellent planning versus a much lower number that if you do great planning, yeah, huge opportunity to lower your lifetime tax rate um, if you're a Chevron. Yeah, yeah, these two things are the bedrocks of financial independence, but also the bedrocks of building the IRA tax time bomb that we've talked about because both of those assets are pre-tax. So a lot of planning opportunity there. Okay, Justin, let's go on to uh, health benefits. Um, I'll just kind of provide a quick overview and then you can kind of give feedback. Uh, so one of the things we like about Chevron, there's a lot of options. So like there's a PPO plan, uh, there's an HMO plan, health maintenance organization, and then there's also an HDHP plan, so a high deductible health plan. Um, and so all of those have varying, you know, some have different higher uh, deductibles, some have lower deductibles, some have uh, wellness credits, some do not have wellness credits. We don't have time to go into all of them. But all this to say, uh, the premiums are pretty reasonable. Uh, your employer con contributes a substantial amount. So really, you can get into one of these plans with a really low out-of-pocket cost. 
Uh, and they offer a high deductible health plan. Uh, and Justin, you and I are suckers for a high deductible health plan because it offers the opportunity to invest in it. HSA. Justin, you want to remind our listeners uh, why why we get excited about HSAs? Three big tax advantages. And if you're with us on YouTube, I think this is our dog Martin's first uh, exposure. So that's pretty exciting. Um, 95 pound Bernadoodle. He's a monster, but he's a, he's a great dog. HSA, three benefits. You get a deduction for money put in. So it's like a pre-tax 401k contribution. Second benefit, you get tax deferred growth. So you're not taxed as investments grow. There's no capital gains or interest dividend tax. Third benefit, uh, you get tax-free distributions for qualified medical expenses. And so it's kind of like a combination of a pre-tax IRA 401k and a Roth IRA 401k. Um, so huge tax benefits there. Uh, those tax benefits are so large that if you're in higher tax bra- brackets, it's very likely uh, worth considering the HSA, even if you're staring at some potentially higher insurance years. Um, matters case by case basis, certainly, but huge advantage. Uh, there's some super majors that don't have HSAs available. Um, so again, kind of another example of, of we're given Chevron really, really high scores on their benefits structure. Yeah. And two, I think like having the big continuum is just a great, there's just a lot of optionality here. So I'd give, I give Chevron high marks here, right? So for the, the PPO plan, you pay more, but you tighten the range of outcomes, right? So you're uh, the out of pocket, uh, without a wellness credit for you and your family, 332, your employee premium is 332 bucks a month, but then your, uh, in network, uh, deductible is only 3000, right? Compare that to high deductible health plan. Your premium, uh, for your family is only $28 a month, but your in network deductible is $10,000, right? So it's, there's kind of a, Hey, how healthy am I? How much ongoing care do I have? How much is not covered or not covered? So it's a very personal decision, but the fact that there's this big range of outcomes is really good. And, you know, cause we love the HSA cause it's has all those tax advantages. Justin mentioned, uh, the other thing we'll say about the HSA is Chevron throws in, uh, a thousand dollars. Uh, so you can fill up, up to the plan maximum. Uh, one nuance about HSAs is, is it's not like uh, there, there's a cap, there's an annual contribution maximum. And employee and employer contributions are uh, are are part of that computation. But uh, we love HSAs. ExxonMobil does not have an HSA plan. High deductible health plan is a great example. So um, high marks there. Okay, let's talk about insurance. Right, um, these will kind of go through a little bit faster because they're less different than just what a standard employer does. So they have long-term disability. So basic is you get 50% of regular annualized pay uh, up to the IRS compensation limit, which is uh, for 2023, that's 330 grand. So 50% of your annualized pay. There's also an option. There's like a supplement you can add to go up to 60% of annualized pay up to the IRS compensation limit. And you know, with the supplement, of course, you're going to be on the hook for that. The disability definition, this is standard for most employer plans. Uh, it's your own occupation. So any, you know, if you're not able to do the job that you are trained and able to do at uh, at Chevron, that would be the definition. And then after 24 months, it's any, any occupation. So uh, those are all really standard, nothing, nothing too wild there. I mean, I would stress for most people, you should just go ahead and pay up for the additional uh, additional benefit because you know, especially as you get in higher compensation, a lot of your 
you know, equity compensation, some of your bonus above and beyond the 330 uh, annualized pay limit or is not going to be included. Right. So, yep. so if, if you're making, if you're making 500, 600 grand a year, uh, you know, disability is only going to replace 60% if you pay up of 330, uh, of 330 grand. So, you know, it's a substantial reduction. Um, and probabilistically you're more likely to tap a disability policy than a life insurance policy. So, you know, definitely, one of those things that you should insure against and insure to the maximum ability because there is such a finite amount, you know, because even at the maximum, it's only 60% of covered earnings. That's right. And, you know, I think it's uh, important to just say that, gosh, as assets go up, as income goes up, you're probably going to need some insurance analysis to figure out when are you self-insured? Are there gaps there? I think the final things, you know, some pretty cool benefits in terms of Chevron Humankind, matching charitable contributions, 10000 a year, uh, 3000 a year for retirees. That's pretty neat. Payout of unearned vacation, um, retiree health care options. And then I think, Jared, the last thing I would say, and then I'll kick it to you if you have other thoughts, but, you know, you have RSUs. And I'll just pose a question here at the end. IRA, 401k, pension, huge tax planning as RSUs become prevalent, as you go up in the company and have more exposure there, that could be an even bigger tax optimization opportunity. But I think that kind of rounds it out. Yeah. A couple more things that I'll add. Those are all great, Justin. Um, they There's a will preparation, which is great, but also an estate plan is not a will. You need power of attorney. You need medical directives. You need HIPAA authorizations, right? There's like a will is part of it. So that's, it's nice that that's offered, but it's probably pretty generic. So if you have any amount of assets or complexity, you should probably pay up to, to get something a little more personalized. Um, and the other thing I'll talk about just briefly is life insurance. So generally, um, Chevron offers two X, uh, annualized regular pay, which is pretty good. So the interesting thing that most, a lot of plans don't have, there's the, uh, there's an accelerated option if you're terminally ill. So IE, you can get a portion of the life insurance proceeds if you are terminally ill and have a terminal diagnosis, um, which is rare. Most plans don't have that. So that's kind of a nice, uh, nice feature. And then you can get up to 4X annual pay without having to prove, prove good health. So one of the things we advise clients on from a life insurance perspective is group plans are great because the rates are usually competitive and then you can get more coverage without underwriting. So it's a great thing to tap into employer coverage if you have a pre-existing condition or it's harder for you to get insurance. Um, but you know, if you move or leave or change roles, you lose or change employers, you lose that insurability. So just, you know, there's kind of a, Hey, how long do I think I'm going to be here? How hard would it be for me to become insured if I did leave? Do I want to lock in the premium? So, uh, you know, I would say the coverage for life insurance is good, but it's not worth dropping everything you're doing and, and ignoring all those nuances that we talked about to do it. Um, so, the other thing that I think is interesting, I'll call out the other thing that's not, uh, you know, there's also some retiree healthcare, which is great. A lot of, uh, companies have that, that you could participate in. And there's kind of some cost sharing there on the, on behalf of Chevron, which is really great. Not rare for super majors, but rare for other companies. Uh, the one thing that's not in there that I'm kind of surprised of is there's no ta like taxable, there's, there's no taxable stock purchase plan. So a lot of times people will, uh, offer a ESPP, but uh, Chevron doesn't have that, which isn't a big deal. Isn't going to move the needle, but kind of surprising a company that size doesn't have it. Justin, the last question to kind of wrap this up on a scale of one to 10, what would you give Chevron's benefits? 
Relative to every other company who could employ you, 10 out of 10. Relative to super majors, man, still really high. Over nine, maybe a 10 again. I mean, these are, these are great benefits. Jared, what would you say? Yeah, I would say, I would say same thing. I'm just going to just one, one out of 10. Every company we review is going to get a, a, over a nine, right? Just by the nature of, yeah. uh, but really it's kind of comparing these to one another. Um, I mean, I really like, I really like their benefits. I really like, you know, after tax options for mega backdoor. I like the HSA, which not all the companies have. Um, yeah, I'm going to give them a 9.5. Yeah, which is interesting. If we did review a company and gave them, you know, a much lower score, well, it's probably a really small, maybe a private equity backed oil and gas company. Um, but then even in that regard, well, there could be a reason, as we all know, uh, you know, there could be a reason the benefits are not as good and employees could have way more equity exposure, uh, which provides potential for huge, huge upside. And so kind of an interesting way to think about the path to financial freedom and financial planning. Well, when you're at a big company, yeah, just doing great work for three or four decades can get you into an incredibly great, secure financial position. And there's some trade-offs going to a much smaller company, and you better be compensated for that risk. Awesome. Well, if you work for Chevron, we'd love to hear from you. What grade would you give their benefits? If you don't work for Chevron and work for another employer and would like us to review their benefits or talk through it, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.